book of Ephesians this morning will be in Ephesians chapter number 4, Ephesians chapter number 4, and we'll use the same passage of scripture this morning for our message that we used in Sunday school, uh, for the Sunday school lesson as we uh, focus on the theme of having one heart on this one heart Sunday. And I know we're only into week number two of the Diligent Heart series, but I have thoroughly enjoyed <laughs> so far uh, what we uh, have covered in this series. And maybe I'm excited because I know what's coming the next uh, few weeks as well. Uh, but I look forward to seeing what God has for us today. And this is a very important theme. It's, uh, this whole series, I believe, is very important about the Christian guarding their heart out of the heart are the issues of life. Uh, we've looked at a merry heart last week, and it's important uh, because of what God's done for us and how we, He has uh, provided His Son for salvation. You know, that ought to put a smile on our face. And the, the happiest people in the world ought to be saved people. It uh, shouldn't be the most discouraged people. It shouldn't be the most depressed people. It ought to be the happiest people because uh, we know that our sins are forgiven and we know that heaven is our home and Jesus is our personal Savior. And we've got to have a merry heart, a merry heart about that. We looked at that last week. Today, one heart. It's very important. I, I believe uh, that Christ's return is imminent. I believe the church is not just as relevant as it's ever been. It's more relevant than it's ever been. And God's church has a great opportunity to make a difference. More than a political revolution, we need a spiritual one. And that comes through God's church. And so today we're going to look at this, this idea, this thought of having one heart one Heart Sunday, Ephesians chapter number 4, beginning with verse number 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with longsuffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. I want us to look at the first seven verses this morning for our text. But I do want you to keep your Bible open to Ephesians chapter number 4. We will look at several different passages, different verses in this chapter uh, for our message this morning. But I want to speak on this simple subject, the results of having one heart. Uh, we looked in Sunday school, in our Sunday school lesson, if you're in Sunday school, of having one heart. It's one heart Sunday. What does that mean? Well, I believe the best way for us to define what it means to have one heart, to see the importance of having one heart as a church, is to look at the results of having one heart. Because if we can see what the results are, then we can see what is missing as well, uh, but perhaps from our own life, uh, <coughs> perhaps from, uh, from a church standpoint, we certainly want to look at the results of having one heart. Let's ask the Lord to help us today. Father, we thank you for another opportunity to open your word and know that it is the perfect word of God. And Father, I pray this morning that you would use uh, your word in our, in our lives, and our hearts. I pray that the Spirit of God would uh, speak to us today, would uh, reinforce what's being said from the Scripture today. And Father, I pray if there's one unsaved, may they realize their need of a Savior today. May they trust Christ as their Savior today. And Father, whatever step we need to take as a, a Christian, as a church, may we be willing to do so today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Ephesians chapter number 4 is a wonderful passage of Scripture. So much to uh, look at that's helpful for us today. But we want to look at this from the aspect of having one heart and having one heart, and that is the heart of God, and, and having His uh, focus as our focus. We look at the first several verses, and I want you to look at verse number 3 again. As the Scripture says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Verse 4 goes on to say, this is very important for us to see, as we look at having one heart, we must be reminded that there's one Lord. It's hard to have one heart if you believe there's two Lords. There's one Lord. And let me tell you, that Lord is not you. That Lord is not me. We know who that Lord is. There's one Spirit. That's the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. Now, the New Testament, the Apostle Paul is very clear in his other writings that there are seducing spirits, but there is one Spirit of God. There is one hope of your calling. There's one hope when it comes to salvation. There's one way to heaven. There's not multiple ways to heaven. Uh, there's one way to heaven. There's one hope. Uh, verse number five, again, we see there's one Lord. There's one faith. There's only one true faith. Well, I, I know we live in a day when, when everybody claims to have the faith. This is the way it is, but the Bible tells us that there is but one faith. One baptism when you and I got saved. The Holy Spirit of God quickened us, made us alive. The Bible teaches it indwelled us. You say, oh, Pastor, how much Holy Spirit did you get when you got saved? All I'm ever going to get. He indwells within us. There's one baptism. One God and Father of some. It's not what the Bible says. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all, and in you all. We see here that we're reminded that there is one God, and God is our faith. We live in a day where, especially in this day of social media, that everybody has an opinion, and it's easy to share it. And I, I'm thankful that we can share our opinion, and I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with that. That just doesn't mean our opinion is always right. And so when it comes to the opinion on heaven and hell and salvation and grace and God and Jesus Christ, it's not left up to fact checkers, but God has established there is but one. Today, we can deny that there is one God, but that doesn't change the fact that there is one God. Who is that God? It's Jehovah God. is the creator of all things. There is one Savior. Who is that Savior? It's the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God who left heaven lived a sinless life with the purpose of going to the cross of Calvary to pay the sin debt for every man. We know that he gave his life freely. Man did not take it from him. He gave his life for you and I, and three days later, he came forth from that tomb holding the keys of death and hell. There is but one Savior. There is but one salvation. There is but one faith, that faith that holds and embodies all of our doctrine. God has established that there is one way, it's His way. Let me say it like this, and then we'll make the application to us as a church today. God sets the agenda that we are to follow. Too many times today as a Christian, we want to debate what God has already established. God's established some things, and we are to follow it. I imagine this, if you would, a, a mother has small children who at home and 
she gives them responsibilities. She gives them things they're supposed to do. She says, this is the way it is. And now you guys discuss it and tell me what you like about that, what you don't like about it, and come back and tell me the way it should be. Now, your kids may do that. I hope it doesn't go over very well. But God is God. God is holiness. He sets the agenda. He is the center of our purpose. He is the center in our when he is the center, our opinions are less important. I said much of this in Sunday school, and I, I want to say a little bit of it here and, and more a little bit later. Uh, God has established the church for his purpose. Too, too many times today, and, and, and I can talk about this for a long, long time, and I've talked about it in the past, we, man has taken the church today and, and has changed it to meet his purpose. Uh, it is God's purpose. Say, Pastor, what, what purpose have you decided for the church? I haven't decided any purpose. I do not have the right to do that, nor does any man. And God has established what his purpose is, and God has established what his goals are. And to, <coughs> to please God and to fulfill his work, we must center our purpose, our heart around his heart. These results are having one heart. What does God want from us as a church? I still believe the church has been established to preach the world to the gospel, preach the gospel to the world. It is established to edify the believers. The Emmanuel Baptist Church is a wonderful church, and I'm thankful for the Emmanuel Baptist Church. And what the Emmanuel Baptist Church is all about, it's all about doing what God wants us to do. It's about making Him happy. It's about making Him pleased. Now, as we look at this thought of one Lord, one faith, one baptism, I want to pull some important but yet practical truths from Ephesians chapter 4 that's going to help us understand the importance of the Emmanuel Baptist Church having one heart. Uh, God intended for His church to be of one heart. We, 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 we taught on this a little bit more in Sunday school. And the wonderful thing about the body of Christ is one individual is not more important or less important than another one. And if God has our heart, everything else is going to fall into place. And our opinions aren't as important as it is that we're doing something together for the cause of Christ. Let me draw our attention to verse number 11 and verse number 12. And it's important for us to see as we look in the outline today. <coughs> and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Let me say, number one, if, if the result of having one heart is embracing God's program. What is God's program? God's program is the local church. The church is still important in spite of what man may say today. And all of these things that we find in Ephesians chapter 4, saying he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers, he is speaking of the church. It is, and we are to embrace God's program. If we are going to make a difference in this world today, it is more important for the child of God to belong to the local church than it is for the child of God to belong to the Republican Party. Yeah, I said it and I'll say it again. If we're going to make a difference in our nation today, it is more important for God's people to belong to the local church and be a part of the local church than it is to belong to the Republican Party. Now, we're not even bringing in the other party, but that, 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 we must be plugged into God's program. His program, because if, if people trust Christ as their Savior, they're probably going to vote right. People give their things to God, they're probably going to vote right. But we must embrace God's 
program. Now he says in the church he gave some apostles. That day is gone. Those apostles are those who personally were commissioned by the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why if somebody calls themselves an apostle today, run from them. Because this Bible says there is no private interpretation. Well, Jesus came to me in a dream. No, you ate pizza a little too late last night. Are you saying God can't speak to me? He does through His Word. He can speak to you every day. It doesn't, you don't have to have any kind of a man to interpret it for you. You can just open it up and read it yourself. He says that He gave some prophets. Now, in the Old Testament, God would speak to a man, and that man would in turn tell his people what God said. We have the word today, God speaks to us directly. So what is prophets or that prophecy? It is the ability, is it the ability to take God's word and apply it to the days we live in. It is the ability to take God's word and look at what's going on in this world and not let it be determined in our mind by a political commentator, but by what God has said, and be able to look through the lens of God's Word and say, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to take place. And by the way, it would do us all well that when the man of God stands up and God has impressed someone's heart and he opens the Word of God and says, God has said that this is going to take place to heed that, not because a man said it, but because he's saying what God has said. That's prophecy. He mentions some evangelists. I believe this, these are those as missionaries, those who would start churches, plant churches. And we certainly need that in this day today. And some pastors and teachers, I do not believe those are two individuals that believe there's a pastor and a teacher. Because a pastor is a shepherd and he must also be, will, be able to teach and willing to teach the Word of God. That is found inside the church. I'm going to make some comments this morning and goes against the narrative that you hear, not, even, not just in this world, but in religious circles. I believe, and I believe the Bible bears it out, that there are roles for everyone in the church. At the Emmanuel Baptist Church, there is one pastor. You did not choose that pastor, God did. Quite frankly, I didn't choose, God did. That does not mean that every other role is insignificant. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is everybody is needed in the church. Everybody is important in the church. Everybody needs to be a part of God's program. And I'll make this statement as well that some, sometimes uh, they bristle against, I believe that every child of God is supposed to have a pastor. Does it mean that God won't take care of you if you don't have one? That's not what I'm saying at all. Well, does it mean that, 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 that God will cast you aside if you don't have one? I'm not saying that, nor am I implying that at all. But I believe God's program is His church, and for God's people to be part of His church, which means you have a pastor. You have somebody who shepherds you and teaches you the Word of God and prays for you and, 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 is, and is there for you in, in the time of need. I believe that is part of God's program. I say this as sincerely, and if you know me, you know my heart. And as plainly as I possibly can, 
I feel sorry for those who do not have a pastor who goes to God on their behalf and who he wakes up in the middle of the night and, and reminds him of a burden. I feel sorry for those who, 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 as this week, one of our members was texting me about his father and his condition. And, and then when his father passed, having somebody that he could talk to. Now, I'm not anybody special, but I am fulfilling a special role, and that's the office of a pastor, somebody to help God's people, guide God's people, encourage God's people. That is of one heart being part of God's program. Say, Pastor, why is this important so that everybody can hear you? No. It's important because it's God's program. Let me tell you what, what happens when we are part of God's program. It is summed up in verse number 12. There are three things that takes place. So if we have of one heart, this is going to be a benefit of all of us. How many Christians are sitting at home today that should be in church? Probably more than a few. And then we complain about the condition of our country. When we're more loyal to our football team than a local church. And I could go on and on and on and on. You know, God's people should be in church on Sunday. It's still His day. There used to be a day when that wasn't controversial to say. But it is God's day. We ought to be in church. Uh, because his program. What happens when that takes place? It doesn't mean that God loves his children any less if they're not, but being part of his program, part of his heart. Imagine what would happen in this nation if every Christian really dedicated themselves to his church. We wouldn't be talking about politics. It wouldn't matter who the president was because the church is what makes the difference in any nation. Well, let's look what happens. It says, for the, why does God give these to the church? For the perfecting of the saints. It doesn't mean per perfecting like you never commit a sin. It's for the completing. You are less of a complete Christian without the church than you are with it. And don't take offense to that. If you're watching by live stream, don't take offense to that. Don't throw things at your TV. It's not your fault. Because we do not have, personally, the capacity to be everything we could be without one another. There's a Bible verse that was often overlooked that I love, and I think it's, it's key to so many things. Iron sharpeneth iron. You're a better Christian when you're around other Christians. You pray more when you're around people who pray. You read your Bible more when you're around people who read their Bible. That, that's just reality. So in order for us to be complete, from the, from the pastor to, 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 to every member, from the pulpit to the pew, we need God's church. Why? For the perfecting, for the completing of the saint. You're a more complete saint, Christian, being part of, the, of, of God's body. It also says for the work of the ministry. <coughs> God's church is supposed to be a working people. What are we working on? We're working to advance the cause of Christ. Now, if you know me and you've been a member of this church, you, you know my political leanings. I'll use that terminology. You don't, have to, you don't have to guess where I stand. 
But I'm trying to advance the cause of Christ, not the, 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 the cause of any, any political party. There is a difference. Um, that's the purpose of the church. And, I, I, and I've expressed this at some time, unless you're new, you, have, you may not have heard this, but if, you, if, you're, if you're not new, you, you've heard me say this any time. I mean, I'm not holding a political rally at the house of God. We're going to open up the Word of God. We're going to preach the Word of God. Why? Because it's for the perfecting of the saints. It's for the work of the ministry. Um, these political parties want voters. They don't want saved souls. Well, I've apparently parked in the wrong place there. Then the third reason is for the edifying of the body of Christ. It helps you to come to church. You learn something when you come to church. You get encouraged when you come to church. You are edified, built up is what that word means. Uh, we need it. You need it. I need it. If we're not of one heart on these things, where are you getting the perfecting? There's no other organization that can do that. Where are you getting to be part of the work of the ministry? There's a lot of noble causes, but the work of the church is different. Where are you going to get the building as the body of Christ outside of God's program? That's having one heart. And my, if, I, if I had the ear of every child of God on this planet today, it would be along the lines of what I'm saying today. We've got to get back on God's program we got to be of one heart to do His work. But I say to us today, to every member of the Emmanuel Baptist Church, and if you're watching my live stream or you're looking for a church, hey, I just want to do the work of God. I want God's church to be what God's church is supposed to be so that we can help one another, edify one another, encourage one another, so that we can go out in this world and be a light that we're supposed to be. second thing I want us to see when it comes to being of one heart, the results... We embrace truth and avoid error. Let's read verse 14 and 15. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up unto him in all things which is the head even Christ. We embrace truth and avoid error. If we're of one heart, we stay away from the things that we should stay away from. Notice what the Bible says about error. So what error is it speaking from? It says every wind of doctrine, that is, what wind of doctrine is that? Different than the one faith, the one Lord, the one baptism, the one spirit, if it's different from that. Uh, now, I'll get to speaking truth and love in just a moment, but that error, it says it tosses us to and fro. There's a lot of Christians who are deceived. It's because they're not anchored. With that one heart, they're in that place. Notice what it says about this error. You're tossed to and fro, carried about. How's this happen? By the slight of men, their cunning craftiness. They're, they're manipulative. Uh, very manipulative. They, we, they live, lie in wait to deceive. You and I got to be reminded. One, one, you know, one, one thing that keeps us straight doctrinally, I forget how many religions there are in this world now. There's a new one that pops up every week, literally. Um, how are we not deceived? How are we not tossed to and fro? 
uh, you have to be grounded in the truth of one, the one heart, that the one Lord, the one God. Notice what, what, what we're saying, embrace truth and avoid error. I look at verse number 15, but speaking the truth in love. We live in a day in our nation today, and you know it if you're paying attention. If you speak the truth, you're, you're full of hate. But that's not the truth. The truth is not emotional. The truth is just the truth. We get emotional about the truth. This book is truth. My responsibility is to speak the truth. Just because I speak the truth does not mean I don't have love in my heart. Truth of the matter is, I must tell you the truth. That's the greatest love that you can have is to speak the truth. And we should speak the truth in love. But if we have one heart, we embrace truth and avoid, avoid error. I'm going to remind us all, it does matter. Doctrine does matter. What we believe does matter. Well, I just don't know if that's the case. Does the Constitution matter? I would say the average American would say yes. Well, then certainly doctrine matters, and even more so. It matters. It is not, if it's different, it's not the same. Say, Pastor, why are you saying this? Because we've got to be on the, have one heart. We've got one life to make a difference for the Lord. We've got one opportunity. And it's, it's our generation, it's our time to make a difference in our nation, a difference in this world. And it's through God's church that we have the ability to do that. In, in doing so, we embrace truth and avoid error. And, and let me remind you, I, I, I trust that you've chosen your church on truth, and I would encourage you to choose your church on truth. Are they, is the truth upheld? Is the truth preached? Certainly to God's glory, it is at the Emmanuel Baptist Church. Let's see number three. This is where it gets to be very applicable to you and I. I would say number three, the walk is different. Verse 17 through 24, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind. What is the Apostle Paul saying? And the Gentiles are, God, aren't you thankful that God took salvation, not just for to the Jews, but to, to the whole world? He's saying, now as a saved Gentile, you're to walk different than other Gentiles. It, what, he goes on to well, in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart who being past feeling have given themselves over into lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ, if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness." When we're of one heart, the walk is different. Can, 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 I, can I say, can I just be very blunt? I mean, I've already been pretty blunt, but... Um, and what I'm about to say can be, be misconstrued by a lot of different people. It, does, it, it matters less... Say, so, well, Pastor, why do you why do you live the way you 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 live, or why should somebody live the way way they live? Because the cause demands it. I care less about whether or not I agree with it than I, whether or not I do it. 
Um, parents, everything you ever told your child to do, you think they agree with it? What was important, they did it. They did it. I'm not so naive. I had, I've had several conversations this week with different church members and <coughs> about, about different things, and I've made this comment several times. I'm not so naive to think that everybody that's a part of a manual Baptist church thinks exactly like I think. I need to get with the program, but I, I, I'm not so naive that you don't... I'm not so naive to think that everybody has the same strength of a conviction that I have about certain things. I don't believe that. I don't know that. I, I don't, but you know what? We ought to be willing to do whatever is necessary because we have one heart when it comes to the things of God. Because we've got one opportunity as a church to make a difference. I'm willing to walk different if it helps the cause. I'm willing to do different if it helps the cause of Christ. I'm willing to make sacrifices if it helps be on board what God is doing. He's, he talks about, and it's very important, he said that you put off concerning the former conversation or the, the former manner of living, the old man. That's not, our flesh hinders us. Our flesh likes to please itself. The, our flesh is more concerned about pleasing itself than pleasing God. That's why we must submit and yield to the Spirit of God. That's why we must just decide to obey the Word of God. It says we have to put off. That's on purpose. Yet we, we must be willing to do what is necessary for the cause of Christ. And in doing so, the walk is different. We need to make it less about... And, and please don't misconstrue what I'm trying what I'm trying to say. Please, please don't do so. But if we had the mindset of I got to help the cause of Christ, we we wouldn't be as we wouldn't be those loophole Christians with. Well, I, it it doesn't spell it out exactly like this. I, I don't I don't search this Bible looking for things like that. I want to please God. There are things that. There, there's a walk that I walk in a way. There's some things that I avoid. Let me use myself as an example as a pastor, and, I, and it's not because I think things are sinful. But there are some things I avoid because they are sinful. Those are the same things you should avoid because they're sinful. But there are things that I keep myself from, not because they're sinful, not because they're wrong, not because they're, they'd be necessarily wrong for me to do it or not wrong for you to do it, but because the position God has put me in I can help the cause in a greater way if I'm willing to walk a little bit differently. I hope this makes sense. And the walk must be different than number four. And finally, when we have this one heart and we believe and we center around this one heart, the treatment of others is different. I'll get to verse 31 and 32 in a moment, but I, I, my heart is so heavy about the way that God's people treat one another. We're blessed as a church. The spirit, the unity, the love for one another. That's why I'm preaching like I preach now, so to keep us on that same page. But God's people should be kind. God's people 
should have the love of God in their heart. We've got to get past this. Well, I, I, don't, I don't agree with them, so I don't have to be nice to them. That's not in the Bible. We even have to get past this. Well, <coughs> excuse me. they weren't nice to me, so I don't have to be nice to them. That's not in the Bible either. You know, what would Jesus have done? He wouldn't have been a jerk. You got to dig deep in there to find that. Verse 31 and 32, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking to be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. If I had a dollar for every time verse 32 was quoted to me as a child, I'd have a lot of money. That's not just the verse for kids. I found the older I get, the more I need to hear that. I need to hear that verse more now as an adult than I did as a child. See, when we are of one heart, our treatment of others is different. I'll focus this morning on one aspect of this because of time. Forgiving one another. If I went to church and I got offended, I, it would be more newsworthy if somebody went to church and was never offended. If that ever happens, stop everything. They need to be interviewed. We need to find out what's going on. And we need to line somebody up to offend them real quick so they can be like everybody else. The point I'm trying to make is not that we're trying to be offensive, but we're people. We have faults. We have failures. We're all, we all have a sin nature. We all have different personalities. We come from different backgrounds. I mean, you look around. You, got, you, have, you, have, you have all kind of race and, and social standing and part of God's church. Why? Because everybody's the same at the cross. And because of salvation, salvation is for every man. You don't have to be of a certain standing, of a certain creed, a certain race. No, Jesus died for everyone, and God's church is for everyone. And because of that, we come from different backgrounds, and we were reared different, and we have a different way of thinking, and our cultures may be a little bit different. But when we have one heart for the things of God, we treat everybody different than this world does. We are kind. We put away the bitterness. We put away the wrath. The evil speaking should not be on the tongue of a child of God. You do with this as you will. And if you think less of me, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't stop that. But I'm going to give an illustration of how God has dealt with me about something. Months ago, year ago, God spoke to me very specifically about what I say about our president. Because as a child of God and as a preacher, I should probably set some kind of example. Now, God made a deal with me, I mean, in my mind. If you pray for him and you can still say ugly things about him, go ahead. Now, don't walk out of here and say, our pastor's going to have a Joe Biden's bumper sticker on his car. No, he's not. I'm a little disappointed that both my grandfathers voted for him, and they've been in heaven for a while now. You can piece all that together however you want to piece that together. 
But the point I'm making is, yes, we should be treating a lost world different. There should be kindness. There should be forgiveness. And I'm not, by the way, I'm not changing where I stand. And and no government entity is going to control this pulpit. There are, those hills are established that this preacher will die on. But what the point I'm trying to make is, we have a responsibility if we are the heart of God We ought to want everybody to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We should treat one another differently. I'll I'll get back to using forgiveness. Pastor, I don't want to forgive that person who offended me. I don't want to forgive that person who wronged me. Let me help you with something, hopefully help you with something. So why should you do it? Do it for God. I don't want to. Do it for Him. We, we all do things that we don't want to do. We, we all have to be a part of things we don't want to be a part of. So when it, <coughs> when it comes to this, I know that if I forgive, it makes God happy. It pleases Him. After you do it for God, do it for the sake of the church. Do it for the sake of the cause of Christ. I don't have to have to like you to forgive you. I don't have to even like you to be at peace with you. Vanessa, now, now some of you are wondering who I don't like. Can you imagine what would happen with the cause of Christ if Christians just forgave each other? Well, they, they don't deserve it. I'm not asking you at this point to do it for them. But do it because it makes God happy. And do it because the church is not going to be as effective and it will not advance the cause of Christ if it's full of Christians with bitterness and unforgiveness in their heart. Do it for the church. Next, do it for you. You'll be amazed at how much better you feel if you'll grant that forgiveness. They haven't asked for it. I, I never brought that up. Do it for you. I, I forgave them once and I still, you might have to forgive them again. Then lastly, do it for them. But our treatment, how, do you, how are we going to act this way? We've got to realize there's something bigger at stake than us. Something bigger at stake than our hurt feelings. We've got to understand that. Let me, let me close with this. This challenge and this admonition, let's be of one heart and make a difference. Not everybody likes the kind of preaching that I've been preaching this morning, but it's the kind when a people get on board with what God's doing, it can make a difference. I didn't, I didn't get in the ministry. I, I'm not in this thing to be popular. I want to make a difference with the life God has given me. I want to make a difference as part of a church. I want eternity to reflect the life that, I, that God gave me down here. Let's be of one heart and make a difference.
This is a church that has made a difference. This is a church that is making a difference. If someone comes to me and says, Pastor Neil, tell me what is different about the Emmanuel Baptist Church and other churches. I say, well, I haven't attended other churches, but I can tell you this about this church. It's making a difference in the life of people. It's making a difference in the eternity of souls. It's making a difference in marriages and homes and, and young people and the life that they'll live serving the Lord. It's making a difference. I believe in our city as the light of Christ shines, I believe it's making a difference because I believe God blesses his people and in turn, the byproduct, or everybody around them. Let's be of one heart and make a difference. The future of this church will be extremely bright as long as we have one heart. So let me say, if you're on board, stay on board. Hey, Pastor, what would you say to those who've kind of drifted away from God and those that are that they should be in church this morning and they're not? And what would you say to them? What, what, what condemnation would you give them? I wouldn't give them any condemnation. I would say the cause needs you. I'd say your pastor needs you. I'd say this church needs you. This city needs you. I would say let's, let's get on board with one heart to do what we all can do. I'm not interested as much in the background you came from as I, as I am of where we can all go together with God. I'll close with a couple of illustrations. You think of a sports team. Their goal to win a championship. In order to win a championship, somebody on there has got to sell their dreams so that the team can win. Somebody whose dream since they were eight was to play this position has got to be willing to move and play this position so that, or quite frankly, not play at all so the team can win a championship. And we as sports fans, we applaud that and say, way to be a team player. Well, they gave it up so the team could win. What we mean as a fan is so I can celebrate. Who cares what you wanted to do? But we get that. Well, how, how, why is it when we come to the greatest team, the most important team, God's team, His church, His people? Pastor, I, I, know, I know the importance of the church, I know, but I just, I, just got, I just got dreams of my own. I, I've just got th- I, I just don't think I can... Be- why don't we all decide to be of one heart? There's so many illustrations that go with what I'm, that, what I, that my closing illustration, you go back to our nation fighting for its independence. It never would have happened if men and families and people had not come together for a cause. Two, na- two names come to my mind as I was preparing this. One is you're going to be very familiar with. One not as familiar, but you may, you may be somewhat familiar. The first one is Patrick Henry. Certainly, most if not all of us have heard the name Patrick Henry with the quote, "Give me liberty or give me death." But what many may not know is that Patrick Henry was a very wealthy man. A very wealthy man. And Patrick Henry put the idea of liberty and freedom in front of his own wealth. I can't recall the specific battle or the timing, but there was a time when 
Patrick Henry had to leave his mansion and flee with the price of hanging on his head while British troops lived in his house for the idea of freedom. Joseph Warren is the second name, was a very well, very capable, up-and-coming doctor who gave his life at the Battle of Bunker Hill. But he was willing to put something ahead of himself. As I think of this, more names keep coming to mind. Don Adams was a very successful lawyer. Mentioning his name, I think of John Quincy Adams, obvious descendant of John Adams, who was also a president. He was an old man. I can't quite remember the dedication. It was a Capitol building or something he went to as an old man. His presidency's done, old man. When he was reminded of the lives that were lost, and I'm paraphrasing, he made a statement that, to this effect, Keep me as militant as I've ever been because he was reminded of the price that was paid. So there could be a dedication. Pastor, what are you trying to say? We enjoy their sacrifices because they were willing to put something that quite frankly was bigger than them, ahead of them. There's nothing greater, as great as the United States of America is and what centuries have enjoyed, and there's nothing greater than the cause of Christ. Now, I've used this illustration before of having, when my children were small, having the privilege to visit Mount Vernon, George Washington's home site, and being in his study. As a student of history, and George Washington is my favorite historical character, to literally stand in his home in his study, it's quite a remarkable thing to me. The book's on his shelf, and the person giving the, the narration and everything there is talking about how this is the very chair he sat in while serving as president of the United States. And in an instant, I got emotional as my children, who were much smaller there, standing around me, and I thought about decisions he made while sitting in that chair. 200 years later, he had, he had no idea that me and my wife and my children would be standing in this study as a direct benefit. We don't think hundreds of years down the line, but what would happen if we as God's people continued to rally around one cause? Say, so Pastor, you know, I, I just don't know that I, could, I agree with everything. Well, join the club. I don't know that I do either. But I know this, I don't have to have everything the way I want it as long as the cause can go forward. I, I don't, I mean, 930 Sunday school, I don't, you know, why, why, not, nine, why not 1030? Why not, it's, it's a time. Be here. The cause. Um, you get, you, I, hope, I hope this helps us. Because there are days and there are times when we wonder, would it really matter if I'm not? Oh, it would matter. 
And this morning, may I encourage all of us to rally around that one heart. And may we press forward as a church to accomplish what God would have us to accomplish. Father, I pray this morning.